that was sort of like the moment when I knew I had to do this book. There's this like honest to God rocket factory in the middle of LA. And I feel like we're always told that people can't make anything in America anymore, but somehow he, he was making rockets in Los Angeles. We are right at the cusp of something huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. You're listening to The Growth Show with Mike Volpe. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Growth Show, produced by Dave Gerhardt. I'm Mike Volpe, uh, the CMO at HubSpot, and today I'm joined by Ashley Vance, who's a technology writer for Bloomberg Business Week and also the author of a new biography about Elon Musk, appropriately titled Elon Musk. Uh, Ashley, thanks a ton for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. I'm, I'm super excited. I, I told you this a minute ago when we were chatting, but I'm a giant Elon Musk fan. Uh, I just, I, I have so much respect for him. I think he's tremendous and I think he really is. He's working on so many different things. Uh, but give us a sense for the two people that are listening that, that are like, who's this Elon guy, right? Give us, give, give us a, kind of the sketch of him. Sure. I mean, you know, there obviously are a ton of people who are Elon fans now. I guess I'd kind of come to him from a different place, which was that I sort of thought he was like the, the blowhard of Silicon Valley for a long time. Uh, I've been covering tech for about 15 years for the New York Times and Business Week and other places. And, you know, he, you would hear him talking about Tesla with its electric cars and, and SpaceX, which I had sort of chalked up to being a space tourism company, which was my fault and not his. Um, and uh, you just always seemed to be out there promising a lot of stuff, but you didn't see the products kind of in your everyday life. And and, and then they always seem to be taking longer to come to market. And then in 2012, I mean, just to sort of like sum up all of his achievements in a in a quick spot. SpaceX got to the International Space Station with a resupply mission. Tesla came out with the Model S all-electric sedan, and then shortly thereafter, uh, Solar City, this solar panel installation company, went public. And so um, that's when I really I did a cover story on him for Business Week and dug in. I just thought there's there's no industrialist like this in our time and maybe ever to have sort of that impact across three industries. Yeah, well, and, and he's running multiple companies at the same time. And these are not small, like, little companies. These are gigantic companies with big, bold plans. I mean, did, you know, talk a little bit about his personality and how is he able to take on so much? Well, it's kind of nuts because I think people think Steve Jobs ran Apple and Pixar, but it's definitely not the same thing with Elon where he's he is the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX. I think Steve Jobs would show up to... Pixar maybe like one day a week and and really had people doing the bulk of the work. Um, Elon knows he has people who do the day-to-day operations at the companies, but you know he's got his finger in every pie. He knows everything that's going on at the companies. I mean, it, the uh, everyone always asks me how he does it. There's no real secret. He he just like works an ungodly amount of hours. He seems to sleep like four hours a day. And um, I mean, I would email him and get responses at like two, three, four in the morning. And he's just kind of obsessed. I mean, he's, he's like the most intense kind of driven guy I've ever met. Yeah, there's this one quote from him about that's sort of related to work ethic, which is, if there was a way that I could not eat so I could work more, I would not eat. I wish there was, a, you know, I wish there was a way to get nutrients without sitting down for a meal. Yeah, and then, so that came from one of his... Uh, 
ex-girlfriends, or at least someone he almost started dating, and he, that's what he would say to her during their like late night conversations, their sweet talk. Um, so it sort of gives you a flavor for his character. And then even today, I open the book with kind of this scene where he's like wolfing food down. He, he eats like nobody I've ever seen before. He, it just sort of like you look away for a second and all the food on his plates disappeared and uh and you know there's no it's not like a leisurely sort of casual conversation over dinner or anything like that now he you did a lot of research for this book obviously but you also this was one of those unofficial biographies like you had an opportunity to sit down with him i think for a total of 30 hours yeah you know so when i first started doing the book i i told him what I wanted to do and he told me that he wasn't going to help me <laughs> and he said uh, he said other people had asked him to do a book before and and that he wanted to do his own book and and he just wasn't interested and so I spent like 18 months um, reporting and then I guess he got enough phone calls from people you know basically I would reach out to people and then they would call Elon and say hey should I talk to this guy and I think that happened enough times that he um in the end decided that he would kind of cooperate with the book and it's not authorized. I mean, he didn't get to see it and he didn't get to make any changes, but he did cooperate and do these interviews. And we talked, we would have dinner once a month for about seven months. And, uh, you know, they would go anywhere from like an hour to four hours. And it was pretty cool. I, the, um, it took a little while for him to kind of warm up. And, and then once he did, um, it, it was like sort of my fo- most fun day of the month for sure. I can't imagine what that would look. That's <laughs> tremendous. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the book. So I think a lot of people would say the book portrays him in, in many would say maybe two lights. One light is this amazingly visionary industrialist who is potentially revolutionizing transportation, you know, space exploration, you know, solar power generation. Uh, you know, obviously he was at PayPal before that, transforming payments. I mean, transforming big, tremendous things. Um, and having a, a, a big and potentially very positive impact on the world. Uh, but other, you know, other people, you know, there's been sort of a bunch of phrases that people have sort of said that, that the book maybe portrays him as, you know, egomaniacal, uh, you know, stubborn jerk, you know, touches of insecurity, maybe a confrontational know-it-all, uh, hyperbolic husk huckster, all these sort of different perceptions that people have. And, and maybe somebody it's, you know, potentially difficult to work for, things like that. Which, how do you think about that sort of interplay between those two sides? Well, I definitely, I mean, I'm not an Elon fanboy and I didn't want to write some Elon fanboy book, but I'm, I wouldn't have done the book if I wasn't deeply interested and impressed with the stuff he was doing. That's ultimately what sucked me in. I went to the SpaceX factory in Los Angeles. That was, that was sort of like the moment when I knew I had to do this book. There's this like honest to God rocket factory in the middle of LA. And I feel like we're always told that people can't make anything in America anymore, but somehow he, he was making rockets in Los Angeles. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I do admire him, but he is, I mean, he's, he's like a human being. I mean, not only is he a human being with all the faults that come with that, but he's a guy that's trying to do massive stuff. And I mean, you know, is definitely not a friend. I mean, I think it's sort of par for the course. He, he's, um, he's a guy who had a really rough childhood and has like some baggage that comes with that and then he's a guy who is so driven and you know he's not afraid to trample on competitors or to push employees to their limits 
tell us a little, little bit more about the childhood. I know actually not much has really been written about it aside from it just sort of being difficult, but he was, you know, he didn't grow up in the U.S. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that so people can sort of get a sense of maybe how that shaped him. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that was one of my favorite parts about doing the book was that yeah, there hasn't been a ton about him growing up. I mean, he was born in South Africa. And um, I mean, the biggest things are that he, he, was very, he was a precocious kid, but that wasn't obvious to anyone outside of his family because he was a total loner. He was he wasn't he he got bullied at school pretty badly by some people, but on the whole he was just like not thought of. I mean when I like I talked to people and they just thought he would be the least likely person in their heads to ever accomplish great things because people just didn't think about him. <laughs> and it was kind of sad. I mean he he didn't seem to have, he was close with his brother and his sister and some cousins, but he didn't seem to have friends who like came over for sleepovers or to play video games or anything like that. And he was kind of a know-it-all and it bugged kids. And, um, and then his, his dad was really hard on him as well. And so I think there's a bit of Elon that is trying to show the world like you see this over and over again with Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos or Larry Ellison, they're trying to show the world, you know, how special they really are. And um, and then you know the other part of it is just that he, he read voraciously and was totally hooked on science fiction and seems to have like taken that on as almost kind of his religious calling from a pretty young age. Yeah, I uh, so I wanted to also know like. That's interesting about the childhood. So you you know you wrote about some of that. There's all this stuff in the book that you know uh, portrays a lot about his personality. How how does Elon feel about the book now? Well, <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> he, uh, I mean, he so he didn't get to see the book until it was finished, and then I I didn't want him to have to like try to speed read it. You know, the day it came out on Amazon. So I I. Let him, I did let him see it um, after it was done and, and like three weeks before it came out. And I mean, he kind of predictably freaked out for a couple of days. I think it's really hard, obviously, to have somebody dig in your life for this long and then to read um, things that aren't always flatter. I think it'd be hard for any of us to see that. So uh, he reacted to, the, to um, basically the stuff he'd like the least was kind of employees um, who were bagging on him a bit. And then a couple of days went by, and then he came back and he said, look, it's, it's well done overall, and it's really accurate. And so I thought um, it was good, because you know, I wanted to have sort of like an ongoing relationship with him. I certainly didn't want him to feel like he'd been like stabbed in the back or I'd, I'd done something wrong. So I felt like that was a fair outcome. And then right when the book started to, to get ready to come out, you know, the press, me being a reporter, I know how evil we are, <laughs> and we sort of... they jumped into the book and grabbed out all the juiciest quotes and pull them out of context and then people started writing stories about Elon being tough on employees and I think he, he didn't react so favorably to that so we're kind of in a bit of a, a stalemate at the moment. It's always hard because I feel like you're right. The, the media uh, tells a lot of stories out of context, and, and especially online media, it's really about grabbing headlines and clicks and clickers and things like that. Yeah. Right? So it's I like, mean, you pull out the two or three juiciest parts of the book, which can be taken completely out of context. I knew this was going to happen because yeah. I'm in the business. Right. And, like, I tried to keep 
I mean, my good friends at Business Insider from getting the book <laughs> until the last possible moment. Uh, and then it was ultimately, it was actually the Washington Post that, uh, you know, I did send the book out early to kind of like professional reviewers because they need time to, to read it. And, you know, they're not going to just do some listicle. And um, there was a guy at the Post who I think we'd sort of put into that category. And he was very nice. He wrote, like, very flattering things about the book. But, yeah, he grabbed, like, these. He was the first to do the 22 juiciest quotes. And then there's a couple in there that just out of context. Well, look, they look they look rough to begin with. And then out of context, they look horrible. And uh, and then people didn't have the book yet. And so then they're just writing stories off this guy's listicle. It's sort of the worst-case <laughs> scenario. <laughs> Oh, so you feel like a lot of the the online sites, even just before they even had the book, they were t- they were taking other well, yeah, like, the reviews of the book. They did. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have it. I mean, I sort of put myself in this situation a little bit. So, like the whole narrative for the book for like four or five days, really before anyone else, before anyone had the chance to do anything meaty on it, was that. I mean, it really looked like it was like a hatchet job on Elon and that uh, I made him out to be some. You know, he's, he's essentially like the hero of the book, but. Um, with all the baggage we talked about that comes with that. But sort of the narrative that was out there looked to me like the polar opposite <laughs> of that. So I had all these Elon fanboys on on Twitter and stuff be like, you jerk. And I'm like, why don't you wait till you read the book? You know? <laughs> yeah, wow. Huh. Well, I assume at least at the moment he told you he felt like it was accurate. That's got to be high for a true journalist. Like, you know, right? That's got to be the highest possible praise is that you, some, the person themselves says you got the story right. Yeah, especially if you know Elon. I mean, he's like, I mean, he's tough, right? He's tough, and he like, I mean, you could <laughs> you could write a story that I would consider spotless, and Elon will be banging on you for a couple, you know, about a couple points, and um, and so to have something that's like one hundred twenty thousand words, where he, and it was very Elon. I mean, he he gave me like a mathematical score on it. He said I was ninety to ninety five percent accurate. So you know, I I going into the process. I mean, you sort of think if it's like anywhere over 50 percent would be good so I was, I was happy with that that's awesome i i know a couple of people who that score things that way that's uh, that's <laughs> tremendous that's tremendous did, did you think it's weird to write uh, so he's 43 right yeah. i mean he's he's probably going to be in this planet a lot longer at least maybe if not your mars right but but do you feel like it's odd like you're gonna have to write another book 10 years or 20 years from now i mean a lot of things can change it's kind of early in someone's life to to write a book like this it was one of the tricky things, it's kind of like after I did that visit to SpaceX where I just decided, all right, this is what I want to do. And I, yeah, there's all this baggage that comes with it. You're kind of like, when do you publish this? And, and does this make sense to do it now? But I just had to do it. Somebody else was going to do it. I was really interested in the guy. Um, and then when things were going pretty well between Elon and I during our dinners, in one of the later dinners, he's like, you're going to have to do a sequel. And I'm like, man, you gave me such a hard time right. going into this. Yeah. You didn't it's even like, want to like Can I record that and about. make sure, yeah, can we sign up for that now? <laughs> yeah, now we're doing uh, We're doing dinners in 2025 wait? starting in January, yeah. Exactly. I was like, why don't you wait until you read it till we, <laughs> till we uh, sort of shake on that one. But um, uh, so now I don't know what will happen. I mean, you got to, yeah, I mean, I feel like if we get Tesla gets the – third generation car out and SpaceX has reusable rockets and I mean definitely would need a couple extra chapters if not a big revise. The fun part too though now is that like um, uh, you know it's like you become the central repository for Elon stories and so just by nature of doing this book and so now I've got all these 
people reaching out and they're like, oh, you should put this in and that in. And so I feel like it'd be really fun. You get all like the, the stuff that maybe got left out before. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, there could be a sequel. There could be a, another one, right? I mean, even after, I mean, he's, you know, potentially got a lot of time left. Would have to figure it out. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the, um, you know, certainly someone, whether it's me or, or not, I mean, you'll have to take a step back in 20 or 30 years and, and yeah. take another swipe at what all this stuff has meant. But, the, I mean, there's no way to pass up on this moment and what he's done. And even just in the course of, like, doing the book, um, you know, when I started in 2012 and sold the book in New York, well, first of all, New York had this, like a very different view of Elon than Silicon Valley, and they were totally like, uh, I would give the whole pitch on everything he's done. They're like, yeah, but when is he really going to do something? You know, I'm like, people in New York would say that. Yeah, yeah. The like, what is he really like? Yeah, aside I, from everything he's already doing, like, what else like, do you want him to do? Yeah, what have you guys done? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and this was sort of right after they had docked with the space station and and i was like well what what like what do you guys need to see but so the the conception of the the book at least in their heads and what i would say to placate them was okay we'll either write about this guy who ends up as a success or we'll do the crash and burn sort of story along the way and then you know truthfully the model s started doing so much better than i think um even Tesla might have hoped, and uh, and it did become this success story. And uh, but yeah, you know, and along the course of doing the book, like in the aerospace sector, even though SpaceX had done some successful flights, they it was still sort of like a joke in 2012, and 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 the competitors were very dismissive. And by the time we get to now, um, you know, they've all had to start reusability projects ceos have been fired from from ula like the big american competitor and they've all had to come out with new rockets that are more cost effective so um you know he's had this this huge influence already for sure what's the core thing that makes him tick i mean i think he earned a huge amount of money from paypal right his first company i think it was over like 150 million dollars i feel like the average person would say hey i have 150 million dollars I'm going to yeah. go do whatever, right? I'm not going to go start and be CEO of two companies and like on the board of another, like what, what, did, what drives him? I mean, it's, it doesn't seem like the money has anything to do with it. It's definitely not the money on, I think he likes having money, obviously, and it helps him do things, but I don't think that's kind of where, and it's not BS and it's not coming from an Elon family part. I just don't think that drives him. I also think he, he just seems to think like he'll always have money. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, he he sold Zip2, was his like first internet company, yeah, and he bought right. like a McLaren sports car and got like a slightly nicer apartment, and then poured all of that money into PayPal. And then you were a little low on the PayPal number. I mean, he came out with like two twenty million, wow. I think, once eBay acquired them, and then and sunk every last penny into Tesla, SpaceX, and SolarCity. And like exactly to your point, I mean, I don't think you know, like even by crazy high risk entrepreneur standards <laughs> that's nuts and the, the businesses he was going into were nuts in the book i sort of say i mean he's essentially built like a money destroying machine <laughs> and just like was shoveling his cash into it um so you know i think what makes him tick is that well on one level he he talks about going to mars and making humans a multi-planetary species and he like really believes that and it's hard for some people to sort of fathom or understand but that's like his thing and um 
the rest of the stuff is more or less like safety nets for humans while we're on on Earth. It's just like stuff to do while he's trying to get to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, make make Earth last a little bit longer before right. you know, in case yeah. my in case my Mars you know moving plan gets delayed a couple years. Exactly. Yeah, incredible. Um, <laughs> What, so what do you think, what are lessons that business leaders could take away from him? I mean, you spent so much time with him. You know, what would you say are the things that someone who's running another company, a normal company like everyone else runs, what are the things that they should maybe learn from him? People ask me, you know, can you be like Elon? On one level, you can't because I think he was kind of wired this way from childhood and then there's stuff that we talked about like his difficult childhood that you wouldn't really wish on anybody you know and and it's like would you want to be that way on the other hand i mean even while i was doing the book there were things that i took away which was when i first started and he said no and i i'd already interviewed enough elon pe- people in elon's world to know sort of like a feeling for what he would do, which is like not take no for an answer <laughs> and and just keep going and going and going. And and you see this like repeat through his whole life, whether it's with like a girlfriend that turns him down originally or anything in business. And he's relentless, like relentless on a, on an inspiring level. And so that's what I did in the book. The other thing that you hear over and over again from the employees is this idea of like first principles and... Um, sort of um, say you get the idea for the car or the rocket that you ideally want to build in your head and then and then like don't assume that that the incumbents the people that have come before you did anything right just don't assume anything about it start from sort of that blank sheet of paper going after your ideal and then as hurdles come up, decide, you know, is this hard or is this like physically impossible to do? If it's just uh, hard, let's go do it anyway. <laughs> if, it, if it's like physically impossible, then yeah, let's check it out. And that's probably why the person before us didn't do this. Um, but that repeated over and over and over again was just this idea that, that um, people were taking so many things for granted about products that just weren't true. Yeah, it feels like um, that sort of questioning of everything in terms of conventional wisdom, right? I mean, Tesla could have taken an existing car and said, well, instead of the gas engine, we're going to put in this electric motor and that's going to be the change we make. But I feel like they really did rethink the whole experience of it, right? Right. And it's, yeah, I mean, and it's way more are... connected to the internet. There's a, all the controls are in this big touch screen in the middle. There's so many things about it that are totally different that do not have anything to do with it necessarily. That's like not required to be an electric car, right? Completely. And you know, with the Roadster, their first car, I mean, it was a total startup, and they had to basically make like an electric drivetrain for what otherwise would have been an internal combustion car. And then yes. with the Model S, that's when they had this like clean slate and this chance to to define what they did and they take things like the really heavy battery pack and turn it into this advantage it's like okay if you're going to have this then let's put it at the base of the car give it a really low center of gravity and then it's going to handle way better than than other cars you get rid of all the the machinery of the internal combustion engine so you know you get like a front trunk instead of just a back trunk and you get way more storage space and and um i mean throughout the whole car there's all these things where they said Okay, if we're making an electric car, let's let's play like all the stuff to our advantage that we can. Yeah, well, and I think the the other side of it too, the other thing that you did mention is because the whole thing's electric, 
almost all of it is controllable through software. And they ship all these yeah. software updates to the car. Like every month or so, you get this update, and it's like, oh, you now have this totally new feature. It did not exist when you bought the car, but now the car does this cool new thing. Right? No, absolutely. And yeah, and, and that's tr- unbelievable. I mean, it's, it, you don't get that with any traditional car. It's very different. Right, and it's been – this is one of the things where some of the people say, okay, you're kind of easy on Elon in certain parts. But, like, I would go back to the incumbents in aerospace and automotive on exactly these types of points and give them the benefit of the doubt, and they would sort of let you down time and again because they would – see what Tesla's done and they're like okay but we're going to take like this little baby step towards adding software in the car and then it's like okay I mean I realize you guys have to make a ton more cars and serve this huge audience but you know Tesla really has set the bar high and is moving quick and then the other thing I think is just that um, one thing people sort of miss I mean this is what I argue in the book is that Elon represents something kind of new to me which is a guy who has merged atoms and bits probably better than anyone else who seems to have like a real knack for knowing where the knowing how to blend like industry and software and um and and just nobody else is is doing things quite quite like him i mean he's really taken that silicon valley ethos that sort of runs through his blood and taken it to industries that uh, are just not familiar with how how we do things yeah the familiarity with sort of the manufacturing or sort of physical things i think is, is very very interesting i mean there's this quote that i saw that's uh i think there's probably too many smart people pursuing internet stuff finance and law this is part of the reason why we haven't seen much innovation which i think is quite interesting right yeah, I mean, it's an idea I play off in the book, and not to sound like some old curmudgeon, <laughs> um, but you just get a little tired of all the, the consumer web services and apps and everything. Just, you know, it's great to have that stuff, and we have a lot of it, but it's nice to see somebody else kind of uh, doing something different. And, and Silicon Valley has like a really deep history of doing industrial stuff, especially if you think about semiconductors and computers. And, yeah, no, absolutely. And, I think I think we I think they've kind of lost their way in that for the past decade or so, right? And it's like, oh, another social network and this sort of right. thing, whatever. And, and I think it's really cool that Elon's bringing a lot of that back. I mean, I, and to your point about building rockets in LA, he's also building cars in California. And I think the the big battery plant is going to be, I think, in Nevada. So building Nevada, batteries there. It's like a lot of uh, manufacturing jobs in the U.S., which is really cool. Even more. Solar City's going to yeah. start building solar cells in New York. He's got the spaceport in Texas. I mean, you get told, we're told that like we can't build stuff, but somehow he's building it in like all the most expensive, <laughs> you know, regions. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. It's not the south. It's California, and California. It's like pretty close to Bay Area too. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great, great point about that. It's like, you know, well, if you innovate, then maybe you can do these things. But if you should Yeah, if out. you build something people want. Right? <laughs> but That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. How, okay. So tell us a little bit about um, what was there anything weird or odd that came out during all of your time with him? Plenty of stuff, I guess. <laughs> I mean, Elon, you know, Elon's. Uh, it's all stuff I kind of like, but yeah, it's a little weird and odd. I mean, he's, he's more. He gets painted as like this Tony Stark sort of figure. You know, he's he's he's, he's more engineer and less like playboy <laughs> than Tony Stark. I mean, so so uh, your conversations can be a little awkward sometimes. Sort of um, just him doing basic things like you know being at a restaurant and kind of ordering and stuff can is just a little strange. But um, and then well, I mean, like you know, we would sit down and he'd say. Uh, 
I think anyone else would have a little bit of small talk before you jump in to whatever's going on. And, and I, he'd sit down and I'd say, Hey, how you doing? He's like, you know, I'm just really afraid that mankind is going to be destroyed. By <laughs> and, and like literally this happened. And, and so you, like, first of all, you don't know how to respond to that. And then second of all, you know, okay, this is sort of how it is talking to Eli. You have to be ready to like run fast the entire time yeah none of the oh did you watch the giants game last night right <laughs> yeah i kept like I, he does have super close friends like a handful of close friends and like they play video games and stuff but i could never sort of imagine watching a baseball game with him and drinking a beer and sort of what that would be yeah like yeah what kind of food does he like i mean you had dinner with him like seven times right uh, like what's what's he what's he usually eat? He was on this, for part of the time we were doing it, or maybe all the time, he was just going on and off. He was doing, like, the low-carb kind of thing. And so, but then, he, yeah, he never seemed to follow that terribly strictly. He he would eat anything, man, and everything. Like, he would look at the appetizers and order, like, four or five of them. And uh, just, I think, because he couldn't sort of make up his mind about what he wanted. <laughs> and then they would come, and like I was saying before, it was just like vanish, poof. And um, and so he ate a bit of everything. He's not like a big drinker. I mean, he would maybe sometimes do um, like a gin and tonic or, or a Coke and vodka or something like that, but only, you know, maybe one, maybe two, and that would be it. Did you take notes? Did you record all of this? I mean, you're in a restaurant. It's not, you know... Yeah, I did both. I mean, okay. I, I I usually type notes just because um, yeah. that lets me kind of like highlight, you know, parts that I know I'm going to want to go back to pretty quick. And then I recorded them and transcribed every, I mean, I had somebody transcribe it at yeah. the end. So uh, maybe one day when one of us dies, <laughs> sort of like release the, uh, yes. the archives. The Elon tapes. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. All right. What's the, uh, what's, if you had to give people one, the, best reason why they should read the book what is it i think you've got a guy who's pretty much i would argue living the most interesting life in the world and he has a great life story to go along with these amazing business stories and so it reads more like a narrative to me than uh than some like dry biography awesome love it Everybody, this has been Ashley Vance, who's a writer for Bloomberg Business Week and also author of Elon Musk, uh, the biography about Elon Musk. Ashley, thanks a ton for joining us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And thanks, everyone, to, for listening to this episode of The Growth Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you left us a review in iTunes. It uh, definitely helps us grow the show. And if you head over to thegrowthshow.com, you can get on our email list and get exclusive updates about the show, including a sneak peek of upcoming guests. Thanks, everybody, for listening and hope to catch you next time. So last night, so our four-year-old is in our bed every night, pretty much starting at like midnight because uh, he wakes up and then just comes into our bed. And um, last night he had a, a really bad dream, uh, which must have been about bees <laughs> because twice he... It's funny, when he has a bad dream, he doesn't wake up, but he, like, sits up and he'll scream something. And he'll be like, bees! <laughs> so I got woken up at, like, 3 in the morning to a 4-year-old screaming about bees next to me.